This is Randy Hosman with Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Bart Pfizer, Vice President of Revenue Cycle and Managed Care of Cape Fear Valley Health System. So Bart, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Absolutely. It's a a pleasure to to be on the call with you. Uh, My name is Bart Pfizer. As you mentioned, I'm Vice President of Revenue Cycle and Managed Care for Cape Fear Valley Health System. I've been here for just a little over 12 years, but I've been in healthcare for well over 30. Most of my background has been spent in a managed care capacity, either through contracting, um, analytics, or network development as a payer. Uh, but I got into the revenue cycle side a little over 11 years ago when the opportunity kind of presented itself here at the, at the system um, as a way to kind of blend the knowledge from managed care and, and the, the detail specifics into the revenue cycle in terms of you know AR follow-up, et cetera. Um, I have a master's degree from Xavier University in Health Services Administration, as well as a bachelor's degree from health and health management from the University of Kentucky. Uh, back, you know, I got those degrees in the in the night. Gotcha. Thank you so much. So interesting. Okay. And then our first question for you today is just what is your key focus for the second half of 2022? My key focus right now is, uh, is, is I guess I'd label it as staff stabilization. Through the pandemic, our follow-up teams and our frontline staff uh, were greatly impacted uh, due to several different forces. But the biggest force has been the advancement of remote work. We had not been set up as a remote location. We had not had workers working remotely. Uh, Certainly, um, it was an idea we entertained, but you could just never cross that bridge. the pandemic, and we were forced to send some people home for what we considered their health protection, uh, then became more of a retention strategy as other systems began recruiting um, folks to work for them remotely as, as that needle shifted. So we have been implementing multiple strategies around the remote base and continue to do so. I have about 30 to 40% roughly of the staff now working remotely, full-time, permanent. And our goal is to continue to push that to where we're somewhere around the 80-85%. This will allow us to recruit from other areas, recruit nationally, actually, and uh, become a national competitor for staffing. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the major focuses that I'll, I'll be working on over the, in the next several months as developing, you know, internal policy, the infrastructure that goes with that, et cetera. Um, Other focuses that we have are certainly in developing more robust denials management processes and systems as the payer environment has become a little bit more aggressive where we are with the recent development and implementation of uh, statewide managed Medicaid. We have, uh, as a larger Medicaid provider, we have seen a a big shift in uh, reimbursement policy and reimbursement behavior. So we have decided that we must invest in some of the denials processes that are uh, so important um, in being successful in terms of doing follow-up and claims adjudication with, with the payers um, in, in that type of an environment, especially as you know, not just Medicaid, but managed Medicare um, has grown significantly for us. I would say 10 years ago, we were probably at about 9% managed Medicare penetration, and we're rapidly closing in on 50% penetration today. So lots of changes um, going on in terms of how we have to do our work, and that, that all ties into some of the stabilization, um, but uh, into our major focuses, certainly. 
Definitely. And I'm sure it's changing a bit, too, as the House deliberates whether they're going to pass the Inflation Reduction Act, which does change a bit of Medicare and stuff like that. Absolutely. We watch the, the Federal Register frequently. We watch uh, how all of that's going on. Um, certainly, we are, our antennas are up to, to federal policy as well as state policy and how it gets applied. Um, you know, we still are... Um, working hard through the, so, you know, no surprise, Billing Act that was really enacted in January, but still trying to build um, appropriate infrastructure to get that more accurate for um, patients and, and, you know, the beneficiaries and families. Definitely, yeah. And then our next question is, what are roadblocks that you anticipate in the next two to three years, and how are you preparing for them? Great question. Um, you know, in healthcare, what I have learned is preparing for two to three years as the environment changes so quickly that you know, we need to be able to move quickly um, and be able to flex. So the roadblocks that I see is we still are dealing with this nursing crisis in terms of the nursing staff as, as a health system, and I think really as a health industry, as the you know, the tra- you know from the pandemic, the traveling nurses created large expense and, and change in how um, the the reimbursement salaries and and that structure works is is far different today than it was a year and a half ago. Um, So what that, what that relays for us to is some of the roadblocks for us is really capital investment. Some of the things that we want to get invested in, in, you know, the first part of 23 is automation. You know, we were talked recently about just briefly about uh, the staff stabilization. Part of that is being able to bring on more, um, automation into the process so that we can alleviate some of the pressure of possible departing FTEs or budget pressures on FTEs as the as the expense sheets change and the reimbursement um, environment changes. So we, we really want to get invested in that, but that takes capital. And it not only takes capital, but it takes a much stronger technical infrastructure. So those are really two of the major roadblocks that I see that will, you know, as, as the budget pressure combined with that really pushes down our ability to to grow quickly and and adapt and expand quickly to those changing environments. Um, How we're preparing for that is we're trying to have the conversation now, instead of popping up with the idea and and putting in a 90-day window kind of project, we are actively working towards projects um, in later 23. Like we mentioned automation in early 23, but we're really focused on where do we want to be in the second half of 23 so that we can appropriately either block schedule or at least reserve the the, the technical resource necessary to pull off such a strategy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Then our next question is, what are you most excited about right now? What I'm really most excited about right now and is, is you know, something that's been going on, but it's been really difficult to get your hands around, is the move more to a direct-to-employer model. Uh, we've been, in, in the region we serve, we have a lot of great small to medium employers and uh, that are obviously handcuffed just like everybody else is with rising health care costs. And how do you do that um, without damaging the infrastructure of your health care environment? Um, I'm really excited about, and we have just really rolled out our project that would be in, in, you know, 23 and 24, is gathering the data, working with our employers here on some of the risk-based employees, i.e. patients that we have together a better way of identifying them, um, selecting what we'll call proactive risk, doing a lot of risk assessment on those employees that could 
have um, negative health outcomes if there's no intervention put into place. So I'm really excited about how we do that together. Now, we want to partner um, where possible with the TPA payer and the and the payer and the employer, sorry, and ourselves, a three-way kind of agreement because the payer is much more adept at the data that's necessary for this. And we really want to focus in on some of those chronic conditions that are driving costs that we all know about today. You know, diabetic management, hypertension management are just two of the top ones. But then you start getting into the downward spiral from those, which are kidney failure. We have a lot of those types of kidney, chronic kidney diseases that, you know, comes from long-term, you know, diabetic and hypertensive um, chronic condition results. So we're really wanting to get out there and find those folks that to create some intervention work with local resources like gyms and uh, nutritionists and groceries and all those kind of places to bring together a full package. So I'm, you know, I am super excited about breaking through this fourth wall that has existed for so many years between payer, employer, and provider, and really getting down to brass tacks on how do we care for the patient in a proactive way that does reduce the health, the cost, long-term cost of healthcare for the employer and the patient, but without putting all the onus on the reimbursement structure of the provider. Very, very excited about where that's heading. Yeah, that definitely sounds so exciting just based on like proactive care rather than how are we going to deal with this when it's our problem and let's make it not our problem, try to solve the problem. Exactly. Very well said is, you know, we want to get out of it before we want to get ahead of it uh, before it's a problem. And, you know, that, that takes a little bit of investment up front, but it's a key investment because you're doing a lot of biometrics and with the technology you have today. And there's some great stuff that's being developed out of other um, locations like Vanderbilt University and some of the others that have put together amazing platforms for pulling all of these things together into a patient facing portal, for lack of a better word, where they can access it, look at it, look at their own risk scores, and then make determinations on how they want to approach it themselves. Uh, and then as the provider in the background, we come at it from the health coach kind of perspective that coaches them through the portal and coaches them on their decisions versus, to your point, is waiting for them to get sick and then dealing with it. Because once you get to that point, it's, you know, it's, it's a much harder road back. Definitely. And I'm sure having the virtual aspect of it just makes it so much more accessible for a lot of people, too. Absolutely. Without, you know, it's funny, without the the really aggressive progression of telehealth through the, the policy changes um, with the public health emergency from the pandemic, you know, we have taken much larger strides in telemedicine than we would have in the past. So that technology already exists, now we can really apply it to the employer and, you know, do healthcare without much disruption, really. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, Bart, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you. And I'm always happy to discuss any topic. It's something I could talk about for hours. So thank you.